Hooley on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. That's confirmation. He's going to at least let high school sports start the contact sports, football, field, hockey, soccer. Yeah, well, good. Good for you. Good for Katie. Good for Katie. Good for me. Good for all the the, the high school kids. Good for all the kids who get the chance to like exercise and bond and and all those things we've talked about being indispensable and irreplaceable in extracurricular activities. And and the, the whole thing is, right, is... You get COVID playing soccer, you get COVID not playing yes, soccer. You do. Might as well play. Yeah, might as well play. You've uh, managed to finally get that through uh, to our state officials. Uh, maybe I need to get you on the phone with Kevin Warren. I'd love to get on the phone with him. And uh, Big except Ten for, Commissioner. Except, uh, you know, where kids could uh, maybe not have the resources like Columbus City School. Shut that down, though. Shut Don't, that down. The guys uh, who you and I have talked to, I've experienced and been a part of and and uh, Jeff Harding's coach at Worthington Christian mm-hmm. High School has been a part of mm-hmm. the kids that need a, a chance. Uh, Columbus City Schools have shut that down, and no, you know, because they know, because they're in their wisdom, they know that those kids will sit in front of their computers for eight hours a day, and then when that's done. They will quarantine in their rooms and play video games. Yes. They won't go out. They nope. won't congregate. They nope. won't hang with other people. Nope. They'll isolate themselves. Yeah. And with leadership, you have to make difficult decisions. And sometimes there's not a safe decision to make. What's new about this is we have a, a petition from Justin Fields, over 200,000 signatures. That I don't think it's 24 hours old yet. To your point about leadership, it's it's all the same thing, different leadership things call it different things casting vision putting forth a plan getting people on board whatever you have to say where you're going why you're going there and what the facts are behind your logic for decision going there. yeah and decision kevin warren canceled big 10 football he just made a blanket statement that we just can't do it it can't be done mm-hmm. well now all the parents want to know well why can't it be done why tell me why We've talked about with Kerry Combs going to the NFL. What he learned in the NFL was that you had to tell guys why. Yeah. Going to play this coverage, got to tell them why. High school at Colerain, Ohio State, I'm the boss. I tell you to play cover two, you <laughs> play, play cover two. NFL, why? Why we plan it? Yeah. Makes him a better coach. It would make Kevin Warren a better commissioner, and it would make the Big Ten a better place to have your son playing football if you were told why. Justin Fields is calling for Big Ten football to be reinstated immediately. Uh, there's... I see little chance of that happening because as weak as Kevin Warren's leadership has been so far, if parents writing a letter stating the obvious, I want my kid to play, I want my kid to play high school sports too. But me wanting it isn't justification for it happening. There has to be a reason why it should happen or why it shouldn't happen. And we got five big conferences and three of them say, let's go. And two of them say, no. Can I ask you a question? Sure. And what's your opinion on this? Kevin Warren's a commissioner. He is. He didn't get a vote. I'm in, I'm in the dark as to exactly how this unfolded, this whole vote. I, I'm assuming 14 schools voted. Yes, and, that's a fair assumption. Okay, but the, the now, count- now I, I saw a number yesterday reported that it wasn't 14, uh, 12 to 2, that it was 8 to 6. I couldn't find any. I saw some some person who had a blue check mark. Oh, now we know it was 8 to 6. I couldn't find 8 to 6 anywhere. So I don't know if it was – again, this would be part of Kevin Warren doing his job as a leader. How was this determined by the members of the conference? Is he just a mouthpiece No, for he's not presidents? supposed to be. 
not supposed to be, although he serves kind of like an NFL commissioner right, right. in that the NFL commissioner works for the owners. I would assume the Big Ten commissioner works for the presidents because theoretically the presidents are in charge of the universities. Um, but you don't ever hear from Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren's exclusively athletics. He's a commissioner of the Big Ten athletics. He's mm-hmm. not the commissioner of the whole shooting match, academics and all that other stuff. Do you think he'll address the parents and Justin's concerns? I think he has to address the parents. Um, again, I mean, Justin Fields' petition is impressive that it got that many signatures. I have a couple observations on it. One, it has gathered enough signatures in a short enough period of time that I think it has to be addressed by the Big Ten, and yesterday they had no comment on it, which I th- they think that's kind of weak. The other thing is, it, it does make me realize, and I definitely already realize, but it's another demonstration of how passionate we get about some things but other things that, it, in strictly my opinion, we should be more passionate about, we'll just let entities in charge take it away from us. Right, we'll, if, let, we'll let entities take all a bunch of freedoms away from us. And mine was the ability to worship, yeah, go to church and gather and worship. I'm gonna, in my face portion, yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk to you about a willingness to worship about a story that I just heard yesterday that has had a profound great effect on me in a will and determination to worship and not to let something take that away, whatever the circumstance is. Could so we have I, gotten I if, if you or I that. would have put a petition online when they shut churches down the first weekend, sign this petition if you demand that we be allowed to have allowed to observe our right to worship. But we've gotten two hundred thousand signatures in a day. No. No chance. No. Wouldn't have got one-tenth of that. No, we, you you would have got um, ridiculed, anti-science, science yeah. denier, a God squatter, Bible thumper, willing to put uh, your life or other people's life. I mean, you, you'll get all the things that I get on a daily yeah. basis. Which, well, but we would not, but, but to take the threat of taking Ohio State football away from people stirs passions that taking away <laughs> freedoms that men and women fought and died for didn't stir. So it's just another demonstration of how people prize but football. The, but, no, but the other thing is, it in when I did the New York Times article and, and was quoted in the New York Times article and again pursued by CNN uh, today. Again, they're coming you know, after you. Um, my whole point was football at least is something that crosses party lines, crosses mm-hmm. yep. religious beliefs. It's something that everybody, especially in the state of Ohio, can galvanize around and believe in. And the other thing that people connect with is that most people, or a lot of people, are parents. And so when parents get involved, it gives somebody else that does not have a kid on the football team, it gives them a vision of what if they would do this to my kid on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. You know, so it becomes more personal because you, when parents are involved, people then can relate better. So you have the football that brings a relationship better. You have the fact that I'm a parent. I understand where that parent is coming from. So people can galvanize around that. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, of course. So there's a common core. Yeah, it is. That's something can, uh, we can all get around and support or not support, whatever your position mm-hmm. may be. Uh, you, on your Faith Portion Friday, dealt with civility. Uh, and we've gotten emails uh, lauding that 
uh, content on your part, which I'll, I'll, I will concur with absolutely phenomenal. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sportsline, uh, cbssports.com, rather. Who does not want football by any Dennis means. Dennis does not ne- want football necessary. played. Uh, says that we are now in a state of nuclear-grade silliness. The debate over playing college football amid the pandemic, calling it a deba- debate, is an insult to civility. And he quotes a uh, Washington team doctor uh, that uh, says basically the Big Ten is absolutely uh, dead on the money. He says, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Our country is one of the worst controlled on the planet. Not true. We have more deaths than any country because we have more people than any country. And we're the only country where tens of thousands of people from China fly into. Thank you. That's my that's not in this quote. No, that's my quote. We have cases surging all over the place. Not true. We haven't done what we needed to do to play fall sports, and that is really sad. He says there is no way to go forward with fall sports. Well, then, without but, drastic improvements in testing nationwide. Now, did you see? There's a saliva test. Yes, now. I did. We, I think we talked about that on Friday with the might, NBA. Might and, be a game changer. The uh, well, saliva test. Immediate results yeah. from that test. They say. I think uh, the point is that Dennis can line up his experts. You and I can line up our experts, we can. and there's not a consensus. Nope. So it depends on what risk and freedom are you willing to take. It's not Dennis's choice to choose what uh, risk I may take I was that I deem necessary. Conversation with my wife the other day, and I said, "What I don't understand is like the people who are. I, I fully get the people who are against it. They have Dennis has a family member with a." Uh, serious illness in uh, the past, and so I think he's, you know... It's different for him. His senses are heightened by that, and that's fine. It's perfectly understandable. I would expect him to protect his loved ones. What I have struggled to understand is is why once once anyone makes a personal decision as to what should happen for their family regarding COVID, why do they then extrapolate that decision and apply it to me? don't know. My wife thinks it's fear of missing out, the you know, dreaded FOMO. But I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that they're, well, wait, you're going to play Big Ten football. Uh, And I I don't get, that's not a FOMO thing. Like, most people aren't playing big, aren't, you know, Dennis isn't going to play Big Ten football. His family member's not going to play Big Ten football. So I don't understand the whole, like, is it the, I guess it's the you're endangering me aspect. If you go about your life and I don't go about my life, then your, your life might intersect with my life, and because you're not taking the precautions I am, then you're endangering me. That must be what it is. Well, I, I had this um, debate on Friday on Twitter. Always a great place to have a debate. Well, not a debate. I've had... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a debate. It was just a, an observation by somebody, and we went over this Friday, but I want to go into it just because you made that point and to contribute to... Sherry's thoughts and your thoughts is is this that what when I even just said to live free, um, I was said that my policy and my stance would uh, possibly be responsible for thousands of deaths because I want kids to play, I yeah. want kids to go to school, yeah. Yeah. and I thought to myself. Every person that I've talked to over the last 20 years that has lost a loved one or that is dealing with somebody close to dying or other people that um, I've come involved with through my life, just not in the cancer world, but other parts of the world, just life experience, 
anybody that wants to cast your circumstances or their circumstances on you, I, I just don't understand that mindset. And I'll just um, go back to Stephanie's mantra. You know, right before she died, she gave me the continue to fight, continue to live. Mm -hmm. And she also left a videotape, and I'll share a portion of that with the, the children and myself, saying never use my death as an excuse for everything, but motivation for everything that you do in your life to continue to fight and continue to live, not exist. So that's where my motivation is. But I couldn't imagine you, and, and I mean, this is a re reality that we're all going to face one day, that if my family's around me and I'm dying, I'm not going to tell them, well, don't, you know, don't do anything, mm -hmm. you know, Stay don't ride rooms. a bike, Yeah. don't get in a car. You know, my family has been through, in the past month, two car accidents. Mm. Um, my daughter, Audrey, was hit with her boyfriend when somebody was blinded by the sun and pulled out and T-boned them. Knocked their car across another lane and into somebody's yard. By the grace of God, nobody was hurt, including the other driver, an older person. So am I supposed to, you know what I did? I made Audrey, when we got home, get in her car and drive. My my stepdaughter, Gina, was down in Nashville. She's making a left-hand turn in a city bus and see her and knocked her into another lane. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, there there is certain inherent risk in everything that we do. But don't forecast or, or don't try to force, my point is, don't try to force what you believe onto everybody else. That's not a country that we live in. Now we can have civil debate, which Dennis seems to not want to have because he's, you know, it's his way and he's right and there's no other discussion. It, you know, it's like we can sit here and talk about global warming, which in what, you know, nobody uses global warming anymore because that didn't pull well. So now they use climate change. Yeah. When people say this, the science is settled. Well, many people say it's not settled. So it depends. There would. I'm trying to think like the listener. There would be people who would say, "Well, you and uh, Bruce are trying to tell us what to believe when it comes to Christianity." I know how you're going to answer. I know how I would answer. But just that's made that thought may come to people. Sure. Well, you answer it, then I'll answer We're not trying to tell you what to believe. We're telling you why we believe what we do, and you have to, as we've said many, many times, the choice to accept Jesus is is an absolutely must be a personal decision. I can't make it for Chris. Chris can't make it for me. He can't make it for his kids. I can't make it for my kids. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to make it for themselves. We're doing our—I always say I'm not in uh, enforcement. I'm in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, uh, you know— what you should do, I'm going to tell you what I've done and why I've done it in the hopes that you'll see the wisdom in doing it for yourself. I, b I believe Christianity is the only religion of free will or that's you're asked to make a choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, God asked you to make a choice. And people, what about the Crusades? Well, just because things were done in the name of Christianity doesn't mean it was Christian. Great point. And the the piece of advice I give my kids, because we're all different personalities, right? You and I, you have a great gift with the pen. You have a great gift of uh, with your words, and you speak well. Um, 
we've been given a public platform and my vision has always been i never wanted any of this i'm a private person by nature i never wanted to go into radio i never wanted to go into the media i just wanted to call football games or coach football games that's all i wanted to do but life took me a different way for whatever reason I believe God gave me a platform. So with that platform, I will not abuse that platform or I will not tell anybody what to believe or how to believe it. Uh, two, uh, two examples that I use. My theory and belief in ministry or evangelizing is this. I try to expose what I believe and I'm never going to try to impose what I believe. This is what I believe, and I'm going to expose that because I have to answer one day. And I'm not going to impose it on you. I never would. That's not my place. I don't keep a scorecard in my back pocket and say, oh, there's another one for God. Yeah. That, thanks, Another Chris. one for Chris. Yeah, another one for Chris. See, God, here's my scorecard. And the other thing I do is I encourage in all of you, because I encourage my kids. I, I think the decision about your faith is by far and away, not even close, the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Absolutely. So think about that. And so think about it being a parent and how much you love your children, what you would do for your children. All of us, I think most of us, without hesitation, would die for your child, mm -hmm. just like God died for us, yep. right? So with that big of a decision... You would think that I would brainwash my kids. You would think that I would force them to believe what I believe. Yeah, their eternal destiny hinges on. Yes, they're in our. That's yeah, all that's yeah. at stake. Your eternal destiny. <laughs> so, so I just tell them when they're of age, and whatever that age, it can it can vary depending on the maturation of your child. Mm -hmm. The only thing I ever say is, the, my wish for you is this: is that you. Do not take my faith. You don't take it. I want you to own your own faith. It's yours. You decide. I cannot and will not make that decision for you. I will encourage you to educate yourself. Look at the evidence. Then you make your decision and your choice. And that's what I'm afraid as a country that we're getting away from because we, you know, <laughs> like you said in the beginning of the pod podcast, we're slowly letting everything be taken away from us. Mm -hmm. And we're letting people de to determine our own personal journeys and our own personal destinies. And that's sad. And it's scary. It is sad. It is scary. Um, we... Uh will share with you that so far, Ohio State parents, Nebraska parents, Iowa parents, Penn State parents have all written letters to the Big Ten. Let's go Michigan, Michigan State. Where are you? Iowa had a, well, they had a parent Zoom call last night, but I don't know if the commissioner of the Big Ten was on it or not. But I was just thinking, and I'm sure that the lawyers would get very rich over this, and it may not, it may it lead to injunctions and all kinds of stuff, but... Uh, couldn't this just be as simple as letting the teams in the Big Ten that want to play play? Uh, you had a great tweet on that last I night. I said, you know, what if you got Ohio State? You know Michigan's not going to let Ohio State play, and they sit out. Say you took Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, Iowa, Penn State. Right. And they all played each other, or they even all played each other twice. 
Mm-hmm. They played each other twice. They'd have eight games. They could line up two non-league games probably or play an eight-game schedule. I don't care. I'll play UC. Play UC. There's other leagues. Youngstown, leagues Youngstown will play anytime, anywhere. Sure. Youngstown's talking about playing three non-conference games now and eight in the spring. So we'll play those guys. You know, I mean, that would be a real interesting stare down. I mean, we've we've gotten to a point where I didn't think we'd ever get where we've got a the headline player in the Big Ten. You know, putting a petition out there defying the Big Ten's order. We've got parents openly defying the Big Ten's order. We've got coaches who immediately defied. Kevin Warren's and the Big Ten's word that they were going to cancel the season. I mean, I, it'd be an extra step up of dysfunction to have teams say, no, we're playing. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be unprecedented given what the last almost week has been like. Well, I think the Big Ten would just be in a panic mode if that would happen. How are they going to have a league if those teams withdraw? And that Those be, are all the teams with tradition. Well, you could say, I mean, if I, if I were pro playing, which I am, I would say, look, we're going to do this for a year. You guys can do what you want to do and but I don't think the Big Ten would survive. Uh, I just think the ramifications and the fallout of that would be the end of the Big Ten, certainly the end of the Big Ten as we know it. And I loved your little comparison on Twitter would be if that were to happen in the rest of the Big Ten, at the very best, mm-hmm. turns into the Big East turns because you will have East Illinois, uh, Rutgers, Northwestern, Maryland, Maryland Purdue, Indiana. Indiana. Well, I'm, I'm sure Indiana would play. I, I think they would probably play. So, but and, and the craziness is, and this has been pointed out by Clay Travis, and it's a common sense thing. I mean, all you have to do is look, and I think some people weren't aware of it. Was the you have Indiana not playing, Purdue not playing, but Notre Dame playing. You have uh, Ohio State not playing, but or <clears throat> and all the other schools in Miami, Bowling Green, Ohio U. But you have Cincinnati and Youngstown State at least willing to play. Youngstown State, I think what they're what Coach Trust told me what they were trying to do is three games now and eight games in the spring. There are three non-conference now. If they can find them, then try to get eight regular seasons, uh, eight of their league games, which I think is a smart move. Spring football, to me, is a smart move for FCS, not FBS, but for FCS. Mm-hmm. Or the list goes on. You you have, I don't know if you've ever been to Iowa City. I know you have. I don't know if you've ever been to Ames. It's, it's not that Never far. Never been to Ames, no. It's not that far of a drive, but maybe it's an hour, hour and a half drive to Ames from Iowa City, but you, you have two schools with an hour and a half of each other not playing. So it's crazy, and I, I feel bad for those kids because if I'm a recruiter, if I'm a recruiter and I'm trying to um, – Get kids, hey, here in the Big 12, here in the ACC, here in the Southeast Conference, we're going to play. And don't you think it's going to hurt recruiting? I do. I do. I don't think it can help it if you're not playing football games. Uh, We can help you start your morning off the right way or get uh, a pick-me-up during the day. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee is phenomenal. The taste is great. Uh, You have many different flavor options when you order from Hemisphere at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, 15% off. Spiels has already had, what, one or two cups? One. Here's the problem. One today. I created a problem. Hemisphere has created a problem. In the Spielman household? Yes. Uh Uh-oh. You want to know what it is? I I shudder to think what it is. So I introduced Carrie to Hemisphere Your lovely wife, Carrie. And the problem is the pods are disappearing faster than I would like. Wow. Because now she is... I just wanted her to taste it. Apparently, she has to 
think she can drink it now all the it's time. Tasted and approved. She's approved it. And she I, wants more of it. I wonder if any couples still do like you did when you had a roommate or in a dorm where you like label your food. Put and a what, cupboard. <laughs> Chris's cupboard. Gary's <laughs> yeah. cupboard. I had that I had the very incident last night here in my house where there was one bottle of Diet Coke in the refrigerator. And I go up to the refrigerator upstairs and I open it up and there later on is a half consumed bottle of Diet Coke. Yeah. And I instantly said, who drank the Diet Coke? Yeah. It's Chris's Diet Coke. We're down to one Diet Coke. Who drank it? I had to go on a search mission. Found Thank you. Diet Coke in the garage. Here's a- I'd put it in the time, in the time capsule, well, well, in the safety deposit box. Here's another thing. While we're on this real quick, Hemisphere yeah. Coffee, by the way, is delicious. Go online yeah. and order it. But here's the other Use thing. Use the promo code WETACKLE, and you'll get 15% off. They buy it direct from growers all over the I world. don't know if your girls do this, but when I have all the minions at home and then they're vultures, there's there's... Like, okay, half a pack of peanut butter crackers, and then it's laying on the counter. I, I, I'll make this, they make this uh, iced coffee thing in this mm-hmm. big giant glass, and half a class, uh, half of it is sitting there the rest of the day, mm-hmm. and they just leave it on the counter. Yeah. Isn't that just mind-numbing yeah. to you? Do, or, does that ever happen to you? Oh, yeah, of course. You get the, <laughs> you get the, the, the bag of chips or the, bo- or the box of crackers or whatever, and they leave, like, two in the box and put it back in the <laughs> put pantry. Put the box in there. So yeah. that nobody can make the accusation, meaning me, who ate all the whatever, Triscuits or whatever. Well, I left some. Or because we keep our, we have a jug of milk in the refrigerator upstairs. Yeah. And then we have extra milk down here in the refrigerator in the basement. It is a um, truism that at least once a week when I go to get milk out of the refrigerator upstairs... There is enough to perhaps wet the whistle of a caterpillar left in the milk jug. Perhaps. Because none of my three girls feel safe out here in the hinterlands going down to the basement to get milk. So they leave just enough to wet the whistle of a caterpillar. And then dad will go down to the basement and get the milk. One more example of that would be also the trash, of course. You of know, course. If I can get one more piece of trash in there. I won't have to take it out <laughs> because I know that it drives dad slash Chris insane yeah, yeah. if you don't take the trash out because he's apparently, I'm the only guy that has the ability to lift it out of the, the bag, out of the can. Yeah. Walk, or walk it out to the trash. While we're on the topic, recycles, <laughs> the recycles, the plastic, the boxes, the cardboard. In our house, we keep a bin in the garage. You can... Literally keep your feet in the house, <laughs> open the garage door, and toss, toss it, it in the bin. It's perhaps six steps from the spot in the kitchen where they instead put all the recycles on the counter. Yeah. Because they can't muster the energy to traverse <laughs> no. the six steps to the no. garage and toss it in the bin. Well, they Only need dad a, can do that. They need all that energy to sit in front of their computers and do online classes and by the way, you know, when they take online classes and they do tests, you know, I'm sure that they, <laughs> they'll go by the, nobody will talk to each other about what's on the test or how to take the test. I mean, this is insane. I, I, I got a, I got a theory and maybe, maybe you're, maybe I'm wrong here. I got a theory that all the online schooling systems, I'm sure there's some great systems out there for homeschoolers and stuff. They chance they're they're in this to make a lot of money, and I believe there's a lobbying effort by online schools and programs 
to get schools to stay out so that these school districts can spend taxpayer money, taxpayer money, um, to implement their, buy their system and put it in their school system because there's not a criteria set up by uh, high schools for online. So where do they have to get it? They have to buy it somewhere, yeah. don't they? Yeah, I would, I would think so. I mean, yeah. we, we've homeschooled for a couple of years. In fact, the homeschool school year starts today in our house. And then the uh, Jonathan Alder School District starts next weekend. Uh, let's get to some emails. They've been sure. piling up. And uh, since we don't have much uh, football to talk about, let's talk about uh, what you guys want to talk about. This is from Nathan in Bowling Green. He says, uh, hey, guys, I've been thankful for your podcast this week. They've helped me process my feelings and all the things going on in our country. I tend to see things the same way you do, so I appreciate giving your voice to the struggle of how you humbly approach addressing these issues in a Christ-like manner. Uh, he says, do you and Chris ever talk about the timing of your podcast, starting up in the fall of 2019, a podcast about tackling life that shows up at a time when so many are dealing with so much? It's clear to me God's raised you up with a voice and a ministry to help bring about good during a time when it's desperately needed. Um I was listening to today's podcast when you started last year. You couldn't imagine that you'd be talking about a global pandemic and a country divided. Well, the latter one we could have figured out. Uh, I'm so thankful for you and Chris now. God laid it on my heart to share that with you. Keep doing what you're doing. And he says he's the guy who won our Hemisphere Coffee giveaway. He was not a coffee drinker now, but I uh, or was not then, but I am now. The coffee's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate that. Uh, email very much. Do you think about the startup of this? Do you think I I have thought about that a time or two? I've thought about that. A I time happen or two. to think there's not a lot of accidents in this yeah. world. Um, you know, when you say the Our Father, everybody knows the Our Father prayer, correct? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. done. On earth, if you done. say that, you better mean it. If you're praying that, then you better accept it, and you better understand that your will may not always be God's will. Um. We don't do this for money. We do this because we think it's important and that if one person thinks about their faith and where they stand, if they make a choice, if one person does it and one person chooses God or chooses Christ, then you know there's angels and everybody in heaven's dancing over that one person. That's the very least that we could do, and it would make this all worth it. It would make my drive out here in the morning all worth it. It would make um, maybe Bruce passing up other opportunities to continue with this worth it. And so I I don't think the timing's uh, accidental. And maybe the audience is large. Maybe the audience is small. It doesn't matter. If it was an audience of one, that's enough. Yep, I agree 100%. This one's from Rico. He's nominated people who've won... COVID-19 relief. He says, thanks for your generosity that you've shown to so many people during this time of need. I discovered your podcast and have enjoyed listening to it ever since. I'm a Christian. I appreciate the faith portion. It makes me think about topics I don't often think about regularly or to think about some things from a different perspective than I often do. Uh, thanks for the show. I look forward to each new episode. Well, thank you for that, uh, Rico. Let's see. We have, uh, as I search down through here, um... We have some more that I want to get to. What did you make of Jimmy Haslam's uh, thing yesterday? Uh, he had a press conference yesterday that said he's not making any predictions about the coming season, says he learned his lesson on that last year, and he says he will support his players who will kneel. Um, and I I don't want his players to kneel. I don't want anyone to kneel. I'm a 
big proponent of the national anthem and a big proponent of America. But I think that's the right thing to do because we support the First Amendment. The, we support the First Amendment and the right to protest in ways that we may not necessarily agree Absolutely. with. Absolutely. That, and that's, that's the craziest thing. Like, it would be so hypocritical of me to criticize guys for kneeling. I don't like it. I don't kneel to anybody but God. I'm not going to do it. I would never do it. But I'm not going to criticize somebody for uh, exercising their First Amendment when uh, I exercise my First Amendment on a daily basis. And that, and I'm not going to. I'm going to do my very best. And sometimes maybe I'm not, but I'm going to do my very best every single day not to be a hypocrite. And like often said on this show, it's kind of come turned into a mantra of ours. Our Christianity and the First Amendment are not a la carte. You can't pick and choose. Yeah, you're either all in or you're all out. Yeah, and you uh, came up with that, and I told you at the time that really made a ton of sense to me that you have to take you have to take some things you're uncomfortable with uh, to preserve the uh, a principle that you're very comfortable with. Yeah. And that's what the the first amendment is about. You can uh, find our attorney firm, Willis Spangler Starling online at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com, uh, having an attorney that you trust, having an attorney that has uh, many different specialties throughout their firm is important. Uh, when you get to a point in life where perhaps uh, your achievements, your rights, your standing is threatened by circumstances that intrude on you suddenly or by a tide of, you know, changing thoughts and opinions. So Willis Spangler Starling is that law firm. They have expertise in workers' compensation, personal injury, wills, estate planning, uh, you name it. They can help you through it, whether you are uh, starting a business getting your business plan together, uh, articles of incorporation, anything like that. Willis Spangler Starling, for any legal need, they are the ones to find. Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, easy to find online at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Will the Big Ten respond to Justin Fields' petition, or will they just let it go away the way they let go away the hashtag we are united thing that their players were involved in with mm -hmm. players around the uh, conference some of these things you address some of these things it seemed like their strategy to me has been to just ignore it and hope it goes away well that's the thing i i think everybody get, gets excited about something when it first starts then it, it just kind of disappears right and so it, it, what determines what happens is going to be the uh because I think the players will eventually just say, well, the heck with it. Either, you know, I'm going to transfer to an FCS school or I'm just going to transfer and walk on or I'm just going to sit here and lose a year of, of playing real games in football. Mm -hmm. Or the parents have to stay committed to a fight because if you're going, and I know this from experience, as you know, if you're going into a fight against a big entity, whether that be one university or whether that be a conference, yeah. then you have to stay the course because their strategy oftentimes, and anybody that's ever been involved in litigation against a big corporation, the, their strategy is to delay, 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 wait it out, wait it out, wait it out, and think that you'll end up folding or letting it go. So I have a prediction that the only way it goes away if the parents... And the players just say all the heck with it. They won. 
Now, I want you to ask our attorney friends mm-hmm. if it's possible for an individual player to sue for the right to play. Ooh, that's a different question than the one I posed to him last week, which was, is there such a thing as a binding legal waiver? Now, it's interesting to me that in this latest push by players to play, now that the season's been taken away from them in the Big Ten, they are talking about, why don't, why don't we sign a waiver where we agree not to sue you for anything right. COVID-related? I'm looking now at the thing uh, on the Players' Tribune that got many headlines when it came out on August the 2nd, uh, the Pac-12 players, and they were protesting the fact. It says, we are prohibited from securing representation while being asked to sign documents that may serve as liability waivers. So on one hand, they protested being asked to sign liability waivers. Now we have parents in the Big Ten and presumably the Pac-12 as well that want their kids to play, and they're willing to sign liability waivers. Well, didn't the NCAA outlaw waivers? Yes, they did. Okay. So the NCAA a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you saw that. I did not. Obviously, I did not. Uh, I'm lacking. That, that might be due. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. Can you maybe uh, Google that? Yeah, Google that, because I think it's very interesting. I am a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. Um, people ask why would the Big Ten do this? Because the Big Ten is playing the long game. So the Big Ten, if you have this, we are united. I think the Big Ten is showing the players who's really in charge here. And the and the NCAA, for the life of me, I can't figure out whether or not allowed to sign waivers. The NCAA outlawed You're right. Waivers. On August the sixth. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's no, I mean I just that yeah. was four days after yes. you know, this letter from the Pac twelve. Uh, in the wake of the I Wanna Play movement, there's some calling for college football players to sign liability waivers. That was us. Uh, and the NCAA said uh, no. So you were uh, on top of that one. I bet Sorry you, my show prep was lacking. Well, that's uh, okay. I mean, we pick each other up. Yeah, and we do. Like it's been stated many times, it's a really big show when you're here. And bigger <laughs> and better and more comprehensive and smarter than anything else you can no, think of. I wasn't thinking that when at you're all. Here. Well, it is in this case, for sure. <laughs> I thought you would have been on top of so, that. So, I mean, what what's the difference between uh, that and when I go to the – Cedar Point, and I get on. Let's say I get on a thing that shoots me out in the air on a bungee thing. You yeah. sign a liability yeah. waiver. Yeah, I, I don't. So know. those liability waivers are that, waste of time. That's, sounds like. Well, I mean, how can the NCA prevent somebody from signing a waiver? I I, I don't understand no that. I mean, again, that's like, I think a good question for our friends at Willis Spangler Starling and Reed. Willis Spangler Starling. And Spielman. Okay. Yeah, well. This is your lawyer, too. Because you're going to have to, believe me, I've had my share of lawyers the past four years. Yeah, you've you've known them all on a first-name basis. (laughs) I appreciate it. When they're vacationing on your dime. Yeah, Yeah. no kidding. Or making mortgage payments. Uh, But you'll probably have to sign a waiver for Katie, I'm assuming. I believe so. Here's the other question I posed. uh, My wife and I were having this conversation about when the vaccine comes out. Um, will our children have to get the vaccine if they want to play high school sports? I guarantee you there'll be lawsuits against that. It'll be interesting. It'll be very. Well, I guarantee you there will be lawsuits. I know enough people, enough parents. I, I'm I'm about vaccines. I, you know that's a very personal choice. I'm all about getting a vaccine. I mean, 
that human papillon virus that your kids have to get, that's that's in a vaccine that can, can prevent cancer down the road. I don't know if you've H heard of that. Did vaccine. not hear that vaccine. No, man. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's why I sit sit in my uh, basement all Sunday afternoon <laughs> watching golf, and then I watch the U.S. Amateur at night when I should be scouring the web for the latest legal well, developments I mean, for, and vaccine information. Oh, that's not. That's not. It's been around a while, but anyway, that you know, so that that's like myocarditis. It's been around for decades. Yes. <laughs> now it's now it's a monster coming to get you. But the, my point is that to me, again, it comes down to freedom of choice. I don't ever want. I would never want to force vaccines on somebody that's not comfortable with vaccines, especially one that has been fast tracked. So I had this conversation with uh, a medical expert that I trust yesterday, and I said, how should we view a vaccine? The, the popular view is that you just said, wow, they rushed it to market. He said, in the U.S., the safeguards build in, and again, make your own decision on this. I was just curious of what his opinion is, because he has the same worldview that I do, so I value his opinion, because he views it through a biblical prism. He said... You hear about the Russian vaccine. He said that would be the equivalent of a phase one trial in the U.S. Oh, hey, look, a few guys got better with this. Give it to everybody yeah. because in the in that country, they don't really have the same standards. Standards. Yes. yes. There you go. Well done. He said in the U.S., he'd be very comfortable taking the vaccine. And in fact, he said as a healthcare provider, he would have to take the vaccine right. um, in order to do his job. But he said that if it is green-lighted in the United States of America. He feels pretty safe. It will not, they did not compromise the approval process to get it to market fast. They, he said the difference is, the reason why, I said, well, why is this coming so fast? He said because typically there is not a lot of or, or almost no money in vaccines. These are drug companies. These are companies that are, exist to make money. To fund the research to come up with a vaccine is not a money-making right. endeavor. Now it is. Typically. But because this is a global pandemic, the money coming into these companies for research, the, the federal government has poured billions of dollars into research. You know, private people who then will get a payoff on the other end if the research pays off have poured tons and tons of money into this. So the research and the exploration of a COVID-19 vaccine is extremely atypical in that it has been extremely well-funded. Well, that makes that me feel better. That drives the speed of it. I, I guess that was an interesting thing. I guess the know. thing is they don't know any long-term effects, but they know the long-term effects of COVID, even though it's only been around for nine months, they don't know the long-term effects of a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. All right. One last email here. Okay. This is from uh, Jason. Then we'll get into the faith portion. He says... Uh, I love to hear Chris talk about his connections with his kids. I wish everybody could hear that. And Bruce, you spoke recently about uh, God wanting a connection with us. That was wonderful. I think we underestimate uh, or even put God far above us. But we need to think that he does want a relationship with us. That's all he wants. That's why he created us. As a father of three kids, I really didn't grasp how much God loved me until I had my children. His love for us is beyond what I love my kids. I know that blows my mind, too. Mm -hmm. and uh, think uh, that is sometimes incomprehensible. Yeah, he says, and he loves everyone, not just the ones that love him back. That's, that's totally the, true. That's that, the amazing I was just going to make that point about yeah. that. And he that. can't love you more. He doesn't love obedient Bruce more than he loves disobedient Bruce. Right. 
I don't have the ability, obviously, none of us do, to love somebody that doesn't love me back. Yeah. I don't have that ability. I mean, I just don't. And that's, the I think, the uniqueness of God as he's as Jesus is hanging on a cross and they're driving another nail through the feet or through the wrists. Uh, he's loving those up. He's loving on those people. You know, asking for God to forgive them. Forgive them. It's just, it's just I'm, I'm unbelievable. And I can't do that. I don't have that ability. So that's why I want somebody that loves me, even though I don't deserve it. And just like the guys that are pounding the nails in, God loved them and they didn't deserve it. Doesn't change. Yeah, that's uh, so true. Uh, we'll get into the faith portion of the podcast before we do a reminder that auiinfo.com in Akron is licensed to serve your small business if you're located anywhere in the state of Ohio. Chrissy and Steve are returning to work, I believe, today from a vacation out west with their two beautiful children. Uh, had the chance to talk to them. They went to South Dakota. They had a really good trip. Uh, Steve got out of the car, which is not recommended, with the buffalo causing a traffic jam on the highway near Custer National Park. But I tell you that because... I want you to realize that the people we tell you about, whether it's Paul and Grace at Hemisphere, whether it's uh, Stan and the people that work at Willis Spangler Starling, whether it's AUI Info, they're really good people. We wouldn't represent them if they weren't really good people. And I don't know anyone who doesn't like doing business with really good people. You should think of them more as friends and advisors than you should uh, as business people because they're going to do right by you. Uh, you can click on auiinfo.com. You can call Steve. You can call Chrissy. Call Julie, their HR expert. They're not going to charge you for a consultation. They want to help you. They want to forge a relationship with you. They want to get to know you, and they want to get to help you. So at AUI, their specialty is lining you up with health insurance for your employees. It is also answering your HR questions and keeping you out of a jackpot. Let's say you have somebody with a health issue. They can't come back to work. It's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for them, for your relationship as uh owner and employee to continue, but you want to separate in the right way, in a fair way, or you want to accommodate them and allow them to be a part of your organization going forward, and they'll help you with those kinds of issues. So really, anything that a business owner struggles with is something that AUI Info can help you with. So click on it, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com, and tell them that you heard about them on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Um, before we, the Faith, I, I do want, there was a, I sent it to you, I believe, from Fox 28 about the uh, Columbus Police uh, Spokesperson Sergeant James Fuqua, when he found out that uh, Columbus City Schools were canceling sports, uh, Fox 28 interviewed him, and Fuqua said this. It's very concerning. He said sports is, is more than just competition. It allows young people to make connections with adult mentors with whom they can share concerns and problems. Plus, it takes away idle time in which young people can find trouble. I was exhausted by the time I got home, Fuqua said, recounting football, or uh, baseball, and basketball practices. The suspension of sports comes on the heels of the announcements of the Columbus City Schools that students will begin the year in online classes. We are talking about thousands of kids in the district who have idle time on top of the already engaged in distance learning. Fuqua said, to pol uh, said police believe this summer spike in violence was due in part to lack of jobs and activities for young people because of the pandemic. We would be silly if we did not acknowledge that the huge role in the spike of violence is, is part of this. 
A spokesperson from Columbus Rec said also that, you know, our kids are going to suffer when there's a lack of organized activities for them to participate in, unquote. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, and and you sad. have your police department advising uh, <clears throat> these people, and I, for the life of me, don't understand why they're not looking at what, the consequences of what's going to happen. I mean, it, every, you have everybody that's on the front lines. We talk about frontline workers. Everybody on the front lines are telling you this is what's going to come. I think it would go easier for all of us if when decisions are made that are going to have consequences on the back end, if the people who are announcing decisions to close, decisions to go to online learning, would articulate a plan for... We know this is going to lead to this, and here's our plan to battle that when it does. But yes. I don't ever hear that. Well, that's leadership, and that's what we're lacking. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that because I, uh, I'm really concerned. And people ask, uh, ask me all the time, I mean, wh wh why are you fighting this? You're fine. I said, I'm fighting this because um, my concern is uh, as a human being and I have a place in my heart because of my upbringing for young high school kids. I've always been passionate about high school kids. And it's amazing to me when you talk about the Big Ten last point, the NFL can play, high schools can play if their school board deems it okay to play. Little leagues can play. AAU basketball has been playing and hasn't stopped. Mm -hmm. Travel baseball has been playing and hasn't stopped. Travel soccer, travel lacrosse has been playing and it hasn't stopped. And those kids now have opportunities. My my, and those kids are from the more affluent families, yeah. and there's all this conversation sure. now, and there always should be conversation well, I, about how we bridge that gap, yeah. how we give opportunities to people who are less advantaged <sighs> than more than more advantaged, and all we're doing is widening that gap. Yeah, well, I, I would, I don't think a lot of AAU basketball aren't from affluent families, at least from my experience and what, what I experienced. But the the perfect example is that um, my um, daughter's boyfriend's a senior at Upper Arlington. He's a lacrosse player. He's a really good lacrosse player. He's big. He can run. He's got a chance to play at the next level. Mm -hmm. I don't know what level, but he's got a chance to play at the next level. Um, the season was obviously canceled mm -hmm. last year, but he had a chance because Upper Arlington took their lacrosse team and went to tournaments in Maryland and Pennsylvania and other places. And he had a chance to showcase what he can do in front of college coaches. He didn't lose his opportunity, thank goodness. But so many others are going to, and it just breaks my heart. Yeah, it is. It is heartbreaking. All right, you said you had uh, something you wanted to start on the faith portion, or you want me to yeah. go? Yeah, uh, I'll start it okay. because it's 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 very personal. And again, um, you know, it's funny that I'm in a position where I believe that. I don't want to be open, and I don't want to be personal, but I have to be in order to be credible, in order to have people understand how my belief systems were formed, how my values and virtue was um, formed as a kid, uh, where I fell short, where I achieve. You have to be completely open. And in order to have credibility, you got to talk about where you fall short, where you make mistakes, and also where you uh, excel. My parents were not like that. Your parents probably not like that. Most parents uh, of our parents' age, everything was shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yep. So I was talking to because I said so. I, I was I was talking to my mother, who comes from a family of eight kids, and she shared with something with me yesterday because we were talking about going to church. And in Minnesota, where she lives, she still has to do online church. She doesn't mind. She mm-hmm. goes with the flow. She said, did I ever tell you the story? Because she's, my mom will be 80 in January. Did I ever tell you the story where I think we were, I was eight or nine years old. Your grandfather was out of state trying to work as an electrician, trying to find work. We had no money. We lived in a chicken coop. The smell was horrendous. And on Sundays, though, the only thing I can do was think about getting to church. So obviously, if they're living in a chicken coop, they're not getting out, going outside and getting their Audi or their Toyota or their truck and going to church. Oh, I go, okay, how'd you get there? Well, regardless of who wanted to go in our family, I was going. And so I walked five miles to church, and I walked back. And as I was walking to church, this is a young girl. Wow. As I'm walking to church, it was the only time that I had peace in my life. As I went into church, that also was the only time that I had peace in my life. When church was over and I started walking home, each mile, God gave me peace. Then throughout the week until next week, I would look forward to that five-mile walk to church because of the anxiety that was being built up during the week by living in a chicken coop. Now, fortunately, they were able to get out. My grandfather eventually found work. He was never home because he had to go out of state, you know, as an mm-hmm. electrician, mm-hmm. go everywhere. And so I never knew that. And the humility and the toughness of my mother um, inspires me. So I don't know why she chose to tell me that at th- that time yesterday. I, I don't know why. I know that, like what I shared on Friday, where my dad had to borrow money from my uncle, the humility, or not the humility, I would, the uh, shame that he felt by taking money from somebody. But he did it because his feelings did not trump the importance of letting his family get through a difficult time. Mm-hmm. But for my mom to live in a chicken coop, Still blows my mind away. Like, I couldn't stop thinking about it, obviously. But the important thing was the determination to the only place during that time of her life where she was able to find peace and a determination to honor God, no matter the circumstances, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter whether it's... Uh, living in a chicken coop or somebody dying or things aren't going your way, you lost a job, didn't matter. Her faith never wavered. In fact, 
it's interesting because a piece of advice that I've given my children, when tough times come, there's a choice. You either run to God or you run away from God. You either raise your fists in anger at God saying, why me? Or you sit there when you're going through trials and tribulations and say, thank you, God, I'll get something from this. So I just wanted to share that with you. There's no verse today or anything like that. I just wanted to share that my mother taught me a lesson at 54 years old. And that lesson is get out of the chicken coop. Very good. Very good. Um, I wanted to share today about um, the concept of the glory of God. Um, there's a verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31, where Paul is writing about um, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So I was thinking yesterday about that in light of something that happened Saturday. Um, I went to the mailbox Saturday night, and there was uh, typical mail, but then there was also a note in there that did not have a stamp on it, did not have an address on it, did not have our family address on it. It was just addressed to our family, but not with the street address. I can't look at those. I don't. Well, <laughs> so I thought it was odd. I thought it was odd, but I didn't open it. I just put the mail on a stack and gave it to Sherry like I always do, and I was outside watering the flowers, and she came out, and I could tell she was shaken. And she had this note in her hand. And I assumed it was something bad. I, she said, did you see this? I said, yeah, I saw it. I said, how bad is it? I thought maybe it was a threat or whatever. Mm-hmm. I said, is it bad? She goes, no, it's not bad. Well, that's good. It was just such an encouraging, uh, affirming note, such a great demonstration of someone who I don't know, was an anonymous um, encouragement to our family. And um, I was blown away by it. Blown away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yesterday in church, of course, you know, God reinforced the lesson with this concept of his glory. And I was thinking about, you know, on our podcast, we're trying to help guys who want to be more faithful, help people who want to be more faithful, not just guys, sort through questions you might have about things of faith. And one of the things that I've tweeted, I think it was recently, I tweeted about what breaks my heart when people respond to me about faith matters is that so often their understanding of faith is behavior-related. Yes. You know, it's like— I fall into that, too. I'm guilty of that, too. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm I'm behaving well, so God loves me. I'm not behaving well, so I don't have good standing with God. And it's not—it has nothing to do with your behavior. In getting saved. Getting saved has nothing to do with your behavior. God does not change you so that he can love you. He loves you so he can change you. Because when you really understand what you've been forgiven of by Jesus' death at the cross, then you don't feel like your arm is being bent behind your back to obey. You're willing to obey because you're grateful for what you've been forgiven of. So the whole concept of doing good things, like this note that we got, that in and of itself will not change the person who sent it. It will not change their eternal destiny. Their decision about who Jesus is to them decides their eternal destiny. But after you become saved, good deeds, good works, good behavior is important because it enhances 
the glory of God. It doesn't add to it. The glory of God is, it is what it is. It's there. God does not need you to add <laughs> to his glory. Yeah. But this person, this family, whoever it was that sent this note to us, illuminated, exposed more of God's glory to our family. It translated God's glory into a demonstrable action that allowed us to gain a greater understanding of how much God loves us. It gave he moved. You, yeah. it, God moved in their heart. They acted upon that call. And so it, it like took the spotlight and shown it in our lives. It took the spotlight and shown it directly on God yeah. that, hey, Bruce, We've not, you know, God's not forgotten you. I see this. You've been praying for certain things in your life. I'm going to encourage you in this regard with this note. So that's what good works. That's the importance. That's the importance of good works. Good works do not get you saved. Do not buy your way into heaven. But what they do is God's glory is fixed. Okay, people can't can't look upon God. Is His glory is there, but we don't always see it. Right. We don't always see it. We need someone else, like Chris and Steph did with their 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 actions in the cancer battle, like Chris is doing with you know the sacrifices he's made to fund COVID nineteen relief, like Mother Teresa did with her service in life, like so many people do. Those who go in first responders when they're responding in love, that's that's illuminating more right. of God's glory, so other Absolutely. people can see it. So I just. If that person listens to the podcast, I just uh, can't even begin to articulate how much your note touched our family and meant to our family. And I would say, pleased God for his call uh, upon your your heart. I agree with that. And I think once you do take on your faith and you talk about a faith, right, and, and deeds, right, grace is given, not earned. But uh, but also, you know your faith is, is alive when you're, there's a calling for you to want to do good. I mean, biblically, in James, it talks about a, uh, a faith without deeds is a faith that is dead. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that and thank you to that person who affirmed and let you know that you're being prayed for. They just said such nice things about our girls and how they've been blessed by our girls yeah. singing, and it just it just meant so much to us uh, to have someone affirm us. Yeah. Um, in that way, I'm gonna. I'm lied. I'm gonna give people a verse to okay. ponder till Wednesday. James five twelve, one of my all time favorites, and shared this with those I love all the time. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is let your yes be yes and your no be no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to swear. I swear to God. I swear by your mother's grave. I swear by your grandmother. You know, I swear by whatever. You don't need to. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Yeah. And that speaks to integrity and character and, uh, you know, resolute faith and a lot of things uh, like that. So that's always been, uh, you shared that verse. The first time I remember hearing that verse was you shared it with me years ago uh, when we were at the fan. So I did. Uh, yeah. And I've, it's always resonated with me. Okay. So you're going to start putting it into practice. I'll try. <laughs>
Hey, by the way, uh, by the way, uh, uh, the fans start a new morning show. Bobby, morning. Bobby Carpenter, Anthony Schlegel. Nice. Uh, good good luck them. to them. Yeah. Good luck to them uh, acclimating to the uh, demands of getting up early. Although I think they're doing it from their house, so that allows you to you know get up a little bit earlier yeah. or get up a little bit later than you would. Right. But, uh, good luck to them. They're going lo- local all day. We wish them well. We wish you well. We appreciate you uh, joining the podcast this morning, joining us on Facebook Live. Uh, we may have a new look for the show coming on Facebook Live soon. Really? I'm exploring some uh, different um, software that will allow us to oh, have a more... I thought you were saying I'm exploring some... A studio extra- <laughs> closer to your house? No. <laughs> Wouldn't deprive you of your well, at least we're, time alone in the truck driving out here, getting your thoughts in <laughs> Thank order. Thank you for that. All the show prep you're doing, yeah, <laughs> carrying us. Somebody has to. Somebody but. has to. It's clearly not me. I'm watching golf. <laughs> have a great day, and we will talk to you again on Wednesday, where we'll have details of uh, Governor Mike DeWine's plan for high school sports. Looking forward to that. Thanks for your time.